I'm Bay, and you're listening to Bay Baltimore, a weekly pop culture and society podcast recorded in a quiet neighborhood in Baltimore. This episode, I watched King Richard, and I want to talk about it. Okay, this is like the third time that I'm recording this or attempting to record this episode. Um, The first time I think I went 15 minutes before I realized I got like, I think I went 30 minutes before I realized that um, the recording had stopped at some point. And I only got 15 minutes of the actual show that I was recording. And then it happened some other times and it just happened now. And I'm not sure why it keeps doing this. And if you've been listening for the last couple of weeks, you know that this has happened a couple of times before. So I have no idea what in the world is happening, but perhaps I need to change the device from which I'm recording. But anyway, um, uh, you're listening to this. The release day is Thanksgiving. Um, I'm actually recording, um, the day of Thanksgiving, because again, I had attempted to record this several, nearly a week in advance, and it just it just wasn't working out. So I'm recording it this morning, having a little bit of a, actually in this moment, having a better handle on what in the heck is happening. But anyway, I just need to find another device. Anyhow, um, and I'm also trying to be quiet because the acoustics in this, in our place, carries. I know that if, you know, if you're, you've been listening for any length of time, you hear the train every once in a while, the light rail, um, where the, our building is right at the light rail stop here in, um, the theater district in Baltimore. Um, and you know, you hear that, I'm sure you've heard the train blowing at somebody who's, you know, on the tracks or impeding their path in some way, which, why would you impede the path of a train? But anyway, um, And then, you know, I'm sure you've heard city sounds, whatever, people hollering at each other, um, what have you. But right now I have the benefit of it being super quiet because it's a holiday. Um, and even though, you know, we're still downtown and people are out, um, it's still blissfully quiet. Um, and as soon as I said that, somebody started fussing. <laughs> they might, I think they're... Um, I don't know if you can hear them. Oh, no, they stopped, but they, it sounded like they were fussing on the phone um, at somebody. But anyway. But no, so, you know, I'm trying to um, be quiet, but finally able to get to talk about this movie that I watched. Um, <clears throat> and so I'm, I'm going to skip my usual uh, intro and talking about other shows, although I will just say that Insecure is heating up, y'all. Insecure is heating up, and I just don't know where this thing is going. Um, but anyway, about King Richard, I think the first thing that I want to do is talk about the response to King Richard. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. When I first heard about, I think the when I first saw the trailer for this thing, which had to have been, had to have been back in September, at least September, when I'd seen the trailer for this film, this HBO film, um, or at least this film was going to be released on HBO Max um, and in theaters. I don't know if it's in theaters and HBO Max, can call it, but 
when I first saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this is cool. But at the same time, I was like, oh, do I want to, do I want to watch this film? And I'm going to tell you why I thought that. Because I've had the benefit of learning about, I, I think I'd learned maybe a decade ago that, um, well, that, that, um, their, fa- their, uh, Richard Williams, this is how it was told to me. Essentially, Richard Williams had a family in Mississippi. and or Maybe it was Mississippi, maybe it was somewhere in, in California, somewhere else. But the point was, Richard Williams had a family <clears throat> somewhere else and essentially abandoned that family and then went and started another one. Um, and I have shared... Oh, I think I have shared in some episodes a couple of years back where I don't know any family that hasn't been touched by some man abandoning members of the family and going to start another one. I know that it's not unique to black American culture. I know that it is, shoot, even in the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, what we hear about one of the, the characters, their, their, um, husband wanting to have more kids she doesn't want to have more kids and so he's like well maybe I just take a sister wife because that's uh, a thing in Korean culture so it's not you know and then what we know in Salt Lake City like you know Mormonism and 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 some sex not sex but some areas of that belief system um makes it okay for men to have multiple wives right and so we know globally that a, that men overwhelmingly have the autonomy to be able to, or the the audacity, if nothing else, the audacity to go start other families, um, and it's always blew it always blew my mind because how could you possibly have the capacity to care for both sets of you know what I mean? Like you got to be making bank. Or everybody else got to be kicking in in order for you to have that. But in this scenario, he just left. That was what was told to me. And that never sat well with me. That never sat well with me. Um, And then to see this film come out, and it was very clear in in the previews that it was all about honoring him and his sacrifice. Like, that was the most that was the biggest takeaway that I got from watching that trailer and I just I just didn't think I wanted to be a part of it um and to be honest with you right up until the release of this thing I wasn't going to be a part of uh, of the film until what made me watch it honestly I think the main thing that made me watch it was that it was black leads and that Venus and Serena were um, producers on the show, like executive producers on the, show, on the, on the film. I think that's, those are the only two things that pushed me there. Um, you know, I love seeing black women on screen. I love seeing predominantly black, uh, black leads on screen. Um, and then brown skin black leads, I, I eat it up, right? Because I don't see that often. And I know we're seeing it more, but like in the grand scheme of things, Hollywood's still pretty beige. 
it's still beige at best. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I watched it and I'm actually glad I did. Um, because there's a lot of things, you know how you, so I have the benefit of growing up as a little girl being just a little bit younger than Venus and, well, oh, maybe five, how old is Venus? They're, they're in their middle forties, middle to late forties. So, you know, about half a decade younger than them, a decade or, or yeah, actually probably maybe four or five, at least five years younger than them. And so I had the benefit of, no, I was probably younger than that. You know what? I will solve all of this because I was trying to think, hold on, Serena is supposed to be the younger of the two. How old is Serena? Right. So I'm only, I'm only two years, right? So I'm only one, two, three, (laughs) I had to count. I'm three years younger than, than Serena. And how old is Venus? Serena is 40. Oh, and I'm four years younger than, than, I don't know why I thought it was that much younger. Um, Four years younger than uh, Venus. So when they were coming up in the spotlight as teenagers, I was about to be a teenager. And so I saw their ascent. And did I get, did I become interested in tennis? After having watched them, not really. But was it cool to see little black girls with beads in their hair on in these spaces that that I thought were reserved for white people? Absolutely. Even though Arthur Ashe, I knew all about Arthur Ashe because I was a the kid that was watching all the documentaries. So I'd learned about Arthur Ashe. I, I knew about Althea uh, Gibson. I had yeah, actually those were that that was it. Hold on, was it Althea? Was it Althea Gibson? Hold on, let me Google her. Althea Gibson. Yeah, yeah, Althea Gibson. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew about um, Arthur Ashe. I knew about Althea Gibson. Um, so I knew that that black folks not only could play tennis, but that they could be good at it. Um, but I still appreciated seeing little black girls my age, look feeling like they were my contemporaries being black and and it's the beads for me it's the beads it's it's the hair beads that is quintessential little black girl um and I think that's the thing that did it for me and so I I I was I think I've stopped paying attention to their ascension probably in the 2000s when I you know high school late high school I started to try to figure out who I was and all of that stuff. And so I, I think I moved away from sports, although I was an avid sports fan because my dad, not that my daddy was an avid sports fan, but like I, I remember watching, was it Venus or was it Serena? I remember watching Serena at Wimbledon. Yeah, I remember because I remember one of the things over the summer, over the summer, excuse me, definitely when I was in elementary school and middle, for sure middle school, for sure middle school. I remember watching Wimbledon over the summer. And then what was the, what's the New York one? It feels like it's September, but maybe it's not. Anyway, I remember watching Wimbledon for hours. I remember it played on, was it the, was it the KCPT, Kansas City Public Television? I can't remember if it was Kansas City Public Television or the, the, you know, the PBS station or um, 
or if it was like ABC or whatever, I can't call it. I know that the Mercedes-Benz classic came on ABC. Um, that's what it is. The New York one, the Mercedes-Benz one. I don't know what it has historically been. The U.S. Open. The, the, they call it the Mercedes-Benz U.S. Open, but it's the U.S. Open. That one is the one that, that happens in like September. I mostly remember, remember watching the, the uh, Wimbledon in sometime in the summer. Is it August? July or August, I can't call it. But anyway, I did not watch it this year. I'll be honest with you, it's been a minute since I've watched Wimbledon. I've caught glimpses of it here and there and like XYZ Sports Bar in passing. But I remember in middle school, I specifically sat down to watch it. One, because it was interesting to me and it was a way that I could escape. Um, I could escape on my own, you know, act like I'm in London or something. Well, I don't even know where Wimbledon Wimbledon is. Is that in London? Anyway, I'm not going to Google it because I'm getting off track. But um, it was a way that it was a, a form of escape for me, like feeling like I was out of the country without having to do anything. Even though I had been out of the country by that, by that time, I had been out at least once. Like it was a, a cheap, easy way that did not involve my parents. It, like I could pretend that I was there in the stadium. And anyway, so I would watch. And then the added bonus was I could see Venus or Serena or both. I definitely remember the match. And I can't even remember what tournament they were playing. But I remember, I remember watching Venus and Serena play each other. And I don't remember when that was. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't remember when that was, but I just remember, I remember thinking how cool that is. And I really wanted the younger sister to beat the bigger sister. And she did one year. Um, and I, I, to be honest with you, from my memory, I can't tell if that was the first time or or not that they played each other, but I can remember just being excited that they were playing. And at this point, I really wanted the younger sister to, to, to win Serena because, you know, I'm the baby of the family. And, you know, when the baby beats the older, there's a joy there. You know what I mean? There's a triumph. The triumph is a little bit sweeter. Like bump up, bump an award. Like you got bragging rights forever. There's just something about beating your sibling. Oh, it's just mm, tasty. Just mm, delicious. Anyway, so, um, so yeah. And, and looking back on it now, I can say that even though I had known about black folks dominating in tennis before, not that this, in, it, it did not get me into knowing that they were in the sport did not make me want to play tennis. It just made me feel validated that, yeah, black folks can do little black girls, little ghetto black girls, or perceived to be little, get, little ghetto black girls can be who they are, be authentically who they are and dominate. And you just going to have to take it. And what we know is that people don't like you being yourself. People don't, people like you to be, to conform into their little box. And then when you don't, they try to tear you down in any way they can. Hence all of the myriad ways that people even unto this day continue to try to tear Serena down. And I don't even know if she's planning to retire anytime soon, but I just remember think I remember being more, I remember identifying more closely with Serena than Venus, although I was in awe of Venus. 
I thought Venus was so cool. I, she was girl tall, okay, brown skin, straight back, standing upright. You know what I mean? Like not ashamed of who she was. I thought that was so cool. Now give now remember, my parents moved me out of a predominantly black community and moved me into this rural, predominantly white community. And so I had, I essentially was going through an identity crisis for eight years or better. And then I go, go to college and I'm trying to perform blackness and, but not really finding myself even then. And so it was refreshing for me to see these girls, these little black girls who were clearly themselves, who were clearly comfortable with themselves. That's what I admired. Um, about Venus. I admired Serena because of that bite, that, that fight, that tenacity. And she was a thick black girl too. And like, what are you doing? Like, she not, she's not super skinny. Like you see all these um, other players on the court. She going she gonna to fill out that outfit a little bit differently and you're going to have to be okay with it. Um, and so, yeah. So, but I think, you know, when I got out of when I got into college, I stopped paying attention to uh, the Williams sisters and, and paying attention to, you know, their domination in the sport. And so, you know, I lost track of what was going on with them um, and I moved to other things. And in that time, what, what I found out in the movie is that some really big things did happen in that moment. And so I was glad to kind of be introduced to that new information and it also gave me insight into why certain, why there was emphasis, like even though it was King Richard, and even though the film definitely focuses very much on his drive to ensure that they were successful, not only that they were successful, that they were well-rounded, which completely stuck out to me because I didn't understand even the, I did not understand. I, I guess I thought he was just a sports dad. I didn't realize that he was a sports dad that was supremely focused on making sure that they stayed kids as long as possible. That is not something that I ever got from them. But in their confidence, I should have known. I should have known that their confidence came from something. I should have known that their being down to earth. I can remember be, their being down to earth came from something. I can remember watching Serena on like an MTV, well, it wasn't an MTV Cribs. It was like a, some sort of MTV show where she was in a car dealership eating a bag of chips, which I was thought, okay, girl, it was like Cheetos or something, um, like the crunchy Cheetos. And anyway, she was sitting in the car and, or like they were, the, the salesman was really, it was like some fancy upscale, um, dealer dealership and it was some fancy car don't get me to lying about the make and model of the car but um it was some fancy car and the dealer encouraged her to sit down and get in and really feel it because he was really trying to really trying to get her to buy the vehicle and she was like okay cool that's nice that's real cool and the, the camera's following her and it was like something like the day in the life of xyz athlete and this or xyz celebrity and this one happened to be serena and she sits in the car and she is still chomping on them chips. And I'm like, girl, I am not mad at you because <laughs> you're not going to be hoity-toity for nobody. You're not going to put on airs for anyone, clearly. And so she's chomping down on the, these chips and she's getting into the amenities of the car and all of that stuff. And then, I don't know, at some point she asked the price. Um, and the dealer tells her and she promptly 
gets out of the car, looks around, makes sure there's no Cheeto crumbs in anywhere and then bounces. And I'm just like, in my mind, I'm like, girl, you can afford it. But but at the same time, it's just like a little reminder. She's like, yeah, I probably could, but I'm not going to spend all my money on a vehicle that's going to depreciate the minute you drive that puppy off. Like for ooh, it's like it's like somebody it's like she uh, the the seats started to warm up like and they they were became too hot and she popped it uh, the the speed at which she popped out of that car was hilarious because it was clear she was like whatever that whatever that price was even though she had money that was uh, too high of a price point for her for no daggone vehicle and so she she got out and that, that was another thing that endeared her to me. Because she was just, she just felt down to earth to me. And again, comfortable in who she was. Comfortable enough that, yep, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat these chips. You going to be okay with it. You still going to try to sell me this car. Anyway, and I just, I just love that. And so, but I didn't realize that that comfortability with who she was came from her parents. And in this film, largely from her father. Now, I wish there was more nuance in this thing and I'll get to that in a minute but I did not expect this film I expected to learn things I didn't know about the Williams sisters but I did not expect this film to provide such interesting commentary about real world conversations like I knew that they grew up in South Central or maybe the, I knew I said South Central. I don't know where they grew up. I knew that they grew up in Los Angeles and I knew that gang violence was a problem in Los Angeles. What I didn't understand was how close to home gang violence, um, how much gang violence impacted their family um, at different times. And I did not, I also did not know that their eldest sister, uh, Yatundi, lost her life at the, the young age of 31 to gang violence. I did not know that. But after I knew that, I understood now why certain things were, certain emphasis was played out on her. Um, Like throughout the film, what we see is, we we see Richard's struggles, absolutely. We also see the Williams sisters' struggles and, you know, trying to, figure out where they belong and kind of find their own voice. The, the girls find their own voice. More so Venus. It's like, it, it's like it focuses on Richard the father, Venus, and kind of neck and neck, Serena and the mama. Um, what do they call her? What do they call the mom's name? Hold on, let me go through the actors. Uh, and Brandy, the mama Brandy. It's in, in that order, it's kind of it's kind of Serena and Brandy on the same kind of page, but it's Richard than Venus. Um, because honestly, that's how the trajectory w- went for the most part. And so if you've got executive producers as Venus and Serena um, pushing this story, then yeah, you're going to focus on who they want to focus on and including spending more time than I thought was... At the time, I was like, why are we spending so much time on Yatundi? But I understand that Yatundi was their hero, Venus and Serena's hero. Um, Yatundi was the eldest of five girls um, in a blended family, by the way. Venus and Serena were the children of Brandy and Richard. 
but um, they had um, they had other there were other two other siblings um, that were there. Hold on, it was um, so I've already talked about Yutundi. Then it's uh, Lindrea, and then Isha and Ronner, who are the siblings, all girls. Um, hold on, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, yeah, five girls. Five girls. Wait a minute. Oh, no, my bad. So, I'm sorry. What I'm looking at, they're, they're listing all of the kids. So, there's five girls and one boy, Richard Williams III, which is what we come to know is the... And, and we know this at the end, toward the end of the film. Um, what we know is that Richard Will, Richard Sr., Richard, Richard II, he left Richard Williams in that family. Um, yep. And started another one. And we hear more about that later. But um, here it's listed Venus, Yutundi, Landrea, Isha, Rahner, and Richard. Um, we see Landrea, Isha, and Rahner supporting Venus, Serena. Wait, Venus, Serena. You tuned in. Hold on. Actually, it's Ronner and Richard grew up in the same family, but Venus, Serena, Yutundi, Lindrea, and Isha grew up together. I'm sorry, I'm all over the place, but so Ronner and Richard, Ronner, Ronner, Richard, Ronner Williams III, and Ronner, excuse me, Richard Williams III and Ronner Williams grew up in a different household and actually was not acknowledged until later by, um, by uh, Richard Williams. And so anyway, um, okay. But my point in all of this is the thing is called King Richard. It mainly focuses on uh, Richard with an emphasis on Venus first, then Serena and Brandy, and then the other girls in support. But you get the sense that this film is kind of written from not an outsider's view, but an insider's view. And the insiders are Venus and Serena themselves. So, you know, certain emphasis in the story while they don't make sense out, outside of the context, when you have that context, it, it does make sense. Um, so anyway, I'm talking in circles at this point. If you haven't watched the show, if you haven't watched the movie and you do still want to watch it, go ahead and pause this thing until you are ready. Uh, if you've watched it and then you can come back to the show. But in this next segment, I'm going to talk all about the particulars first, go through the cast, go through the producers, the, you know, when it was released, box office, all of that. Um, and then in the best way possible, kind of talk through overall high points of the film. I won't, it's a long film and it's too much to kind of encompass in a short amount of time. So I'll just do my best talking about it, but I'm definitely going to spoil aspects of it. Um, so if you don't want things to be spoiled for you, just pause this thing and go watch it and come back to this later. But if not, stay tuned in the next segment. It's all about King Richard.
Okay, so here to talk all about King Richard. So King Richard um, was released November 19th, so a little while ago, um, in the U.S., although it was probably released a little bit earlier than that, too, um, you know, for the early screenings. Um, It's directed by Ronaldo um, Marcus Green. It stars Will Smith as Richard Williams, um, Demi Singleton as Serena Williams, Sanaya Sidney as Venus Williams, um, Anjanou Ellis, whom I love. Ooh, I love Anjanou Ellis as Brandy Williams. Um, you've got the, uh, Tony Goldwyn as Paul Cohen, which pause. Don't ever want this to be lost. Tony Goldwyn comes from the Goldwyn family, um, who's descendant of the Goldwyn and MGM, the G in MGM. My mayor Goldwyn Meyer or something like that. Anyway, he's the Goldwyn in G in the Goldwyn and MGM. Um, which what a heck of a what what a heck of a start he had. Thank God he's actually a good actor. Um, but wow, pretty awesome and interesting. Anyway, um, and then so Tony Goldwyn plays Paul Cohen, which. Oh, let me just back up. So, yeah, Anjanou Ellis plays Brandy Williams, which is Richard's wife. Um, Paul Cohen plays an infamous coach that Richard uh, pers- um, pursues to train Venus and Serena to be ready for the pros or so that they could turn pros. So they, they work with him initially. And then um, John Bernthal plays Rick Macy, who is an, an even more infamous coach who... Um, Richard later turns to to help prepare Venus, specifically Venus, excuse me, to turn pro. Um, And yeah, there are other folks in this thing, but I'm going to just focus on these folks for now. Um, This the runtime on this show is two hours and 24 minutes. I honestly can say that it doesn't feel like two hours and 24 minutes, although there are some points that are a little bit slow, but it is on the long side um, these days. And I, but I would still watch this thing in the theater. Um, this thing, um, the box, the budget was 50 million. The budget was 50 million. I don't know if it made it, if it made up its money. Oh, it is in, in theaters. It is in theaters at the moment. Um, right now, it's battling in the box office with the Ghostbusters film. It's between the Ghostbusters film and um, and King Richard, really. That's, that's who are battling for the top spot right now. Uh, the two films that are battling for the top spot. Um, music by Chris Bowers. Uh, produced by Tim White, Trevor White, Will Smith, obviously executive produced by Serena, uh, Venus and Serena Williams. Um, let's talk. I really want to talk about the critic critical response because it's very interesting. Um, this thing has a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb, 76% on Metacritic and 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, let me dig into the not the Rotten Tomatoes. It's 81% on Google. Um, 81% of Google users enjoyed this film, of which I am one. Um, but it's 
fresh and it's certified fresh right now on Rotten Tomatoes. And this is after 196 reviews from critics and it's got a 98% audience score with um, over 500 verified reviews. And the overall critics consensus is this. Um, Hold on, let me back up. King Richard transcends sports biopics. Uh, No. King Richard transcends sport biopic formulas with refreshingly nuanced storytelling and a towering performance uh, with Will Smith in the title role. Will Smith does a really good job, but so does Ingenue. Ingenue Ellis. She does a wonderful job, too, because she's a consummate actress, consummate actor. She she does this. Um, But Will Smith does a good job, too. I really like... The, the one thing I can say without question about Will Smith. Oh, Lord, I was about to start playing. OK, man, hopefully you can still hear me. Um, the one thing I can say about King uh, uh, Will Smith portrayal of uh, Richard Williams is that in real life, Richard Williams was from Mississippi. And if you got family in the South, I'm talking about actually, you know what? The thing about it is, if you're from the UK, what I'm learning about the UK accents is that some of those country accents, country accents are just as strong as some of the city hoity-toity accents, which is still true. I think that's true anywhere in any country, but it's true here too, that if you live in the city, your accent is a little bit different or you tend to be a little bit more hoity-toity sounding, a um, little sedity. Then if you're in the country, if you're in, if you live in the country, especially in the United States, the deep South, you have a thick accent. Um, and what I know to be true in the UK is that the same is true. And that, you know, people spend buku dollars, um, you know, if they're going into a field where they have to be doing public speaking or if they're acting or, um, you know, in the news media or something like that, they do, they go through media, they go through training to help the well, actual vocal training voice coaching rather to um help them lose fix their accent quote unquote fix their accent ain't nothing wrong with your accent but some other than somebody's decided that it's it makes you sound not polished not refined but um what do they call it, the geordie accent that geordie accent that that people make fun of or at the very least they're like Ooh, I have a Geordie accent, so I'm down. It's something like the Southern accent too. Like the the way people on the one hand demonize Southern accents for sounding dumb, for making you sound dumb and ignorant. and, and But on the other hand, they'll be like, yeah, I got a little country drawl sometimes. It comes out sometimes. I'm like, girl, if you don't quit uh, being uh, doing that doublespeak. But anyway, I hear that. Like I can appreciate how People think, oh, the jo- that Geordie accent is so cool. But at the same time, I can also see somebody walking into a business meeting and that thing being, um, that is the thing that, that people try to demonize you for. And I can see you um, putting on your white voice or what we call white voice uh, and um, uh, code switching to not sound like where you come from. And so anyway, getting back to voicing, I'm always interested in and. In, Sometimes actors will go to voice coach, coaching and maybe they don't take it seriously. Maybe they're not good, a good voice coach or whatever. But like if you're from Mississippi and you are from a certain era or from a certain generation of folks from Mississippi, which Richard represented, like my daddy, he's from Louisiana. There's just a certain way that you 
that a certain generation of folks from Louisiana talk and there's nothing you could do. They didn't grow up. Many of them didn't grow up uh, code switching. So their attempt to code switch doesn't quite follow the same as someone who grew up in white spaces where they had to code switch. It doesn't always fall across. And that, and so I'm listening to this accent. I was like, you better get it right. You better get it right. You better, you better not try to do too much, but you better just walk down the line. Because when my dad tries to code switch, and he, again, he didn't grow up in, in, in spaces where his his accent was villainized or he was he was made fun of for speaking that way because everybody who was around spoke the same way um even when he moved Kansas City like again it was part of the great migration so he was around a lot of folk who either spoke the same way or they had just as country accents as he did like it's just a different inflection but anyhow but when he tries to code switch it's still all up and through it's still all up and through his voice. That's just, you can't deny where he's from. You can't de- de- deny Louisiana all up and through him. And the same, when I heard interviews of Richard Williams, same is true there, even though he was doing his best version of quote unquote code switch. And actually there's a, there's a school of thought that says they weren't even trying to code switch. What they were trying to be do to do is be clear in their communication, but they weren't trying to sound like the people they were talking to, the white folk that they were talking to, they were just trying to make sure that they are, they were clear, um, which is actually probably more true than than code switching. Um, Richard Williams didn't didn't too much code switch. He was just clear in his communication. And see how I just <laughs> anyway, um, he was clear in his communication, but like he was, that was Mississippi. No two ways about it. It was Mississippi. None you can do about that. And so listening for Will Smith, I wanted him to do him justice because, come on, we have video, we have audio references to actually look at, to listen to when we're trying to see, when we can compare him to you and, you know, do yourself, do yourself a favor, get it right. And so what I was pleased to hear was that he got it right. It wasn't, I didn't feel, now mind you, he got it right for my ears, for that generation it didn't sound like it didn't sound like he was trying to sound like he wasn't from that uh, Richard from another generation, right? Or Richard from somewhere else. He got it about as good as he could get it. And I was appreciate I was appreciative of that. I I really was. Um now the age thing, I don't know. Like, I, I think, it, you know, that there's a, but so much you can do for your body, only but so many ways you can transform yourself. But to what he could do physically, what he couldn't do physically, he made up verbally to make the complete package that was Richard Williams. Richard Williams was browner skin, obviously. Um, and... I don't know if leaner, I don't know if the body type was the same. Maybe I felt like Richard Williams was a little bit leaner, but again, what he was able to do, what he was able to do, um, or maybe that was me looking at pictures of Richard Williams after the success of his daughters, that he was able to be a little bit leaner. Um, and, and just like in Will Smith, you see it, you do see a change in, in Will Smith's physique a little bit from before the startup, before the fame, 
um, and, and when his children were growing to be successful. And so anyway, um, I, but Will Smith really did do a good job, but so did Anjanou Ellis. Anjanou Ellis is always a consummate actress. Um, I think she did a good job too in that I believed that, I believe that this, this woman was a nurse during the day and helped us, uh, and helped Richard in a big way shape these girls drive them to achieve really great things, um, to do well in school, to achieve, to, to dream for greater accomplishments. There's a point in the, in the film where the family makes a move um, and um, Yutundi stays behind. Yutundi uh, Price stays behind. Yutundi, I believe, is... Um, uh, Brandy's child. Yep, I I do believe Yatundi is is Brandy's child. Um, and anyway, Yatundi, I don't know. Yatundi uh, was thirty one when she passed away in two thousand three. Um, so she was probably at least eight years older eight or nine years older than uh, the girls. And so anyway, they they traveled as a family, a big blended family that acted like one family, which is another reason why I believe that Serena and Venus um, wanted to make sure that there was time spent on um, uh, Tundi. They called her Tundi. But her full name was, her her proper name was Yatundi. Um, but they called her Tundi. They spent time on Yatundi because like, they were raised as one big family, even though they were blended. They were still one family as far as these girls were concerned. And as far as Brandy and Richard were concerned, they were. Um, and so anyway, you just see throughout this whole film, the biggest thing that you see is Brandy really reinforcing this model of, you know, y'all are cool. Y'all, y'all have goals. Y'all have dreams. And let's hop to your father and I are working this hard because we want you guys to achieve the great things that we know you can achieve. And at one point, and you saw this, you saw this in the trailer, but at one point, um, you see Richard, uh, fussing saying we're raising future doctors, lawyers, and two tennis stars. Where it was two tennis stars, uh, doctors and lawyers in here. And, and I do believe that both of them thought that that was true. And then I saw in, in, um, Andrew Ellis's character, Brandy, I saw a determined woman that saw the vision of her husband, but then also saw the potential in all of her kids. And so we learn about, uh, Brandy, two things. We learn that she, like, she, like we, like I said a minute ago, that she's a nurse by day and she's the caretaker at home at night while um, we learn about Richard is that, you know, in the daytime, while Brady's at work, he's got the girls, uh, excuse me, he's focusing on getting um, Venus and Serena on the tennis court, which I thought is really interesting. And he really made it a family affair. He drove around in this VW bus um, and he, you know, carried the whole family around in this bus, but he carried the whole family out to the tennis court. 
And while he was making, he was practicing with Venus and Serena, the rest of the girls were doing their homework and hanging out as a family. He never left them home. He always brought them with him. And throughout the film, what you see is this family operating as a unit the entire time, which is a, a thing that my dad always taught me. He was like, no matter what you do, y'all are always a family. All the kids, any trip you go on, it's cool for you as a, as, as a couple to take a trip or two by yourself or, you know, just to get away or individual to take a trip, you know, hubby to take a trip with the, the guys, uh, you to take a trip with the girls. But like you must travel as a family as often as you can because that time you won't ever get back. And this is how you build. You build tight relationships. And so I saw that same thing in Richard and Anjanu or shoot, Brandy. Um and their desire, really driven by, by, um, well, no, it, it, shoot, you get the sense that Richard had the big dreams, but that the plan was Brandy and Richard's. And I liked seeing that. That's not something that I really knew about. Cause to be honest with you, again, the only thing that I remember seeing growing up is Richard with the girls. I keep sneezing. It's just going to happen throughout this whole thing. But um, Richard with um, Venus and Serena, I did not realize that they had so many siblings. Um, And I might have seen their mother, but I don't think I really knew much about the mother. And unfortunately, we do still hear, uh, we do hear, learn a lot about Brandy, but not much. And to be honest with you, we learn about as much as her backstory as we hear about Richard's backstory, right? Because really what this film focuses on is to the late, the late eighties, early nineties, ascension of Venus Williams. And so there's not, even though this thing is two hours and 24 minutes, there's a whole not, there's not a whole lot of time to learn more. Or maybe there is, but they chose not to focus on the backstories of the family, of the parents, because maybe that would have led to harder questions. Because again, um, Brandy had, so this, this was five siblings that were living together. And when you click on, when you click on Venus or Serena, what you see is in their siblings, you see one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, you see six. You see six siblings, right? Um, but what you see is Venus and Serena have the same last name. Richard and uh, Ron- Ronner have the same last name. And then Yutundi, Lindrea, and Isha have the same last name right? Um, Yutundi, Lindrea, and Isha, feel it feels like they're from a previous marriage that Brandy had, but we don't know much about that. You know what I mean? And I'm wondering if that's a backstory that's a little too painful to tell. Yeah, just like the backstory that we do hear, and I think it's important to hear, uh, the way it comes up in the film, it's important to hear that uh, Ronner and Richard Williams III are um, children of, from a previous marriage, 
or relationship, yeah, of previous marriage of um, Richard himself. So there's some stories there that are probably hard to tell is the point there. And so even though they had the time, maybe they didn't want to. And I get it. I get it completely. Anyway, so let me get to the meat of this thing. So this thing is really split up into two parts. It's an, it's essentially the first hour or so. The first hour or so is split up into meeting Richard, seeing him struggle, seeing Brandy hold the family down in the way that she can and just making sure that the the girls, all of their girls feel supported and loved and that Venus and Sarita have the opportunity to grow into the champions that they know that they can be. Now, what we learn about Brandy is that she used to play tennis. She essentially improved Richard's tennis skills. And even though Richard had aptitude and turned around and began to coach Venus and Serena, that Brandy helped fine tune some of their hallmark serves or I don't know but she I'm a little novice when it comes to like the type of (laughs) the how you're how you're like the different serves and stances and things like that but Brandy had a hand in crafting the the way that they played tennis even though Richard spent a lot of time coaching them Brandy crafted a lot of the things that make them who they are as players And so you see them trying to make that balance. You see, so again, you see, you don't see Brandy going to work. You see her for the most part and everybody in the morning, um, you know, kind of going their separate ways. You, you get the sense that Brandy's going off to work. Um, and then in the evening you, 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 so you see Richard driving the, the girls off and you see them at the tennis courts and he's practicing them, you know, drilling them hard and all of that stuff. And then you see them come back and then you see family time and there's family time and dinner. And while they're after dinner, the girls are getting ready for bed. You see Richard getting in his security uniform because he's about to go um, work in the evening shift. And Brandy and Richard made that transition work. And it, it reson- that, that transition from one parent working in the daytime, one working at night really resonated for me for me because for at least... Most of my middle school years to all of my high school years, that's exactly what my parents did. My mama worked in the day and my daddy worked at night. And the only time they really have time to spend with each other is over the weekend, which is kind of what you see in this show. And the reason my parents did it, and I think I've shared, I know I've shared this on the show before, was because my parents always wanted there to be a parent around. And I think that was the same. I think that's the only reason why you would ever do something like that, to make sure that there was no period where the kids were left completely alone. Now, mind you, I know that, I know that everybody, um, I'm getting a bunch of family texts about later today, uh, Thanksgiving dinner later today. And it's like getting on my nerves. Um, because it's not, it's come on. It's not that it's early. Um, anyway, and I don't know if you hear, hearing the beeping, but that's what the beeping is. It's literally the family text going off 
Oh, Jiminy Christmas. Anyway, um, and sending, anyway, I'm, I, 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 there's, so this is what's happening right now. So the, the group chat, I have three separate family chats that are going off right now. And now people are doing this thing where they're writing it in the wrong chat. They're writing things in the wrong chat. And then they're saying, oh, my bad, I'm sorry. And then putting what, who they meant, putting the, the message, the previous message in the chat that they meant to have it in. But my thing is like, oh my goodness, how about you just text the one person that you wanted to talk to instead of the whole doggone group, or maybe just call them. Or if you can't call them, maybe it's too early to be doing all this stuff. Oh my gosh. And they're going back. Oh my goodness. Oh, anyway, um, I have an iPhone too, and I'm pretty sure there's a way that I can put it on do not disturb but I'm hold on maybe I can do that just now maybe I can do that just now where's the do not disturb I don't know but this is on my nerves these people are getting on my nerves anyway getting back to this film the only reason why why you would ever have one parent working nights for the most part and one parent working in the day is so that you would always have a parent home now mind you I know that many folks of my generation, and, and certainly even now, you know, some, sometimes you don't have the luxury of being able to do that. And that's a huge sacrifice, by the way. The only time that you guys as partners can spend significant time together is on the weekend, because honestly, you're like two ships passing in the night throughout the week. You know, and, and I can appreciate that sacrifice. It's just, that's a heck of a, I don't think people truly understand how much, how big of a sacrifice that is. And so looking at it on screen, it just, it made me smile because they were doing all of this, not just to make sure that their, their kids, somebody, the, a parent was always around, but they were really doing all of this because they needed that money to support this dream. One of the things that is referenced throughout this film is Richard's plan for the girls. And not just Venus and Serena, apparently there's a plan for all of the girls for them to be able to achieve greatness. And if you take a look at that, on the surface of it, you see that as egotistical, right? You drawing up a plan for somebody else's success feels egotistical. But the way that I looked at it is, yeah, it is a little egotistical. It's also a goal to shoot for and a justification for the sacrifices that you're making. Because for at least a decade, or at least five years, the routine that they were living was him running off of very little sleep. Actually, both of them running off very little sleep and not really having a lot of time to spend with each other, also not having a whole lot of money and having five girls under one roof. Um, yeah, having five children, children under one roof trying to make it work, them sleeping in one bedroom and trying to make it work. That's a heck of a sacrifice. And so there has to be an end goal for that sacrifice. And for them, it was their children achieving greatness, starting with, uh, well, actually not even starting with, because Yutundi, what we learn about Yutundi is that they, they are pushing her to be great. She is great. She stays on the honor roll and she ends up enrolling in college to, you know, pursue, I don't even remember what the degree was, but they did all of that so that those kids could 
achieve some pretty awesome things, to achieve their potential. And yes, a plan is egotistical, but it's also aspirational and a reason, a, a, a motivator for you to keep making those very hard sacrifices that they made as, fam- as, as parents. Anyway, so the first half is sprinkled. So that's essentially the first half, them really living in that sacrifice that they're making and the challenges that they run up against them. Here are the two major challenges that come up. Number one, there is a woman, a neighbor, who basically hates them, hates the parents. And we never understand the why that there's this animosity from this neighbor, but it's animosity to the point where at a certain point, the neighbor calls, threatens to call CPS and then actually does call CPS, Child Protective Services, on the Williamses. Mm-hmm. They absolutely, she absolutely calls. She and she gets into altercations on more than one occasion with Richard. Like he's he um there there were a couple of times where the neighbor essentially engages in a conversation with I can't remember if it was Venus or it was probably Venus. Um she engages in a conversation with her and she's like, Y'all all right? I see how hard your father works, y'all father works you. It's not right how he doing, y'all. And uh, 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 Brandy, either Brandy or Richard calls the child over. I think it's, again, I think it's either, I think it's Venus. Um, But calls the child over to come back to their yard. And then Richard goes over to talk to her and says, you you stay away from my family. You stay away from them. And and then there's this back and forth where the neighbor is like, well, your daughter came over here. And beside the fact you need to start treating her better than that, you you, it ain't right what you're doing. And basically gives Richard an opportunity to say, you stay out of our business like you don't have to like what we're doing. I'm protecting my child. We're doing what's best for our kids. But obviously that doesn't end there. And so I can't remember if it's like 40 minutes in or it's like an hour in. And the family dynamic, they're, they're struggling, but like they're getting some movement. The girls are getting some, you know, getting some traction with, at this point, Richard is walking around and he's basically trying to find a coach for them. And he's on the cusp of finding a coach, um, a good coach to really take the girls to the next level. And he he ends up having a good meeting. I think this is one of the instances where he has a good meeting after having been turned down several times by um, good coaches. He has a meeting with um, a coach of Tony McEnroe. Is it Tony McEnroe? Uh, which is Tony Goldwyn's character, Johnny McEnroe. Um, Paul Cohen, he ends up having... Does he have a conversation with Paul Cohen or somehow or another he he's about to he's about to engage with Paul Cohen to try to get him to to coach the girls. And anyway, he's coming home and he's on cloud nine and then he comes home to see that there's a police cars in his in his driveway. 
And so he goes in and he sees Brandy just sitting in the chair, just exhausted at this point. The girl standing up, looking worried. Two police officers and a case manager essentially questioning Brandy. Um, and Richard is like, what's, what's, what's up? What's happening? And Brandy tells him, somebody called uh, CPS on us and they're here to investigate whether the, the safe, they're here to look out for the well-being and safety of the children. Um, and essentially, Richard's like, well, go on, look all around. You want to look in every room, every co- at cabinet? We have nothing to hide. We are protecting our children. And then the case manager, and I think this was in, I think this part was in the trailer too. The case manager is like, well, you were pretty hard on the girls. We got a complaint that you're pretty hard on the girls. And then Richard's like, we are hard on the girls. We are very hard on the girls. We work them hard because we would rather them We'd rather them be in their books and doing great things on the uh, practice it well than losing them to the streets and, and violence and having them in being in jail and, and uh, any number of different bad outcomes that you can imagine. And we get the sense that, you know, the interaction ends with no evidence because you know, when CPS comes in, there's supposed to be some sort of evidence of abuse, physical or mental, um, you know, adequate food in the house and so on. There, there's a number of different things that they're looking for when they're running down these complaints. And so you get the sense that whatever they were there investigating, whatever type of abuse that th- there were allegations that they were investigating, they could not find any evidence for it. And when they leave, Instead of, so the last time um, Richard goes up to their next door neighbor who they have a, apparently has a beef with them and he said, stay away from our kids. Well, this time Anjanou puts her shoes on and she marches right out and Richard is like, Richard is trying to talk her down saying that, you know, be cool, be calm. And he's like, no, and, and Brandy's like, no, 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 let me handle this. So Brandy goes over to the neighbor and basically, she's like, you know, it's a doggone shame that we don't, we haven't been over each other's house. But I'm going to tell you this. I know the things that you've been going through with your daughter, because what we learned in, the, in early on is that the neighbor's daughter is, for all intents and purposes, way, wayward. Um, she's in the streets. Um, and she's really not, she doesn't have a good relationship with her daughter. And you get the sense that what they want you to think is that, this woman is miserable because of her poor relationship with her daughter. And so she's going out of her way to take out her frustration on Brandy and Richard, who she believes is being too hard on their daughters and may drive them away, I guess. I don't really know. Maybe that's the motivator. But anyway, Brandy, after the police and the the case manager leave, Brandy goes over to the neighbor's house and basically is like, in no certain terms, she's like, it's a doggone shame that we're not on good speaking terms. And I know what how hard it has been for you and your daughter. But I'm going to tell you this. Don't make me have to come over here again. Essentially saying, don't pull those, none of this dumb stuff again. You know we're not abusing these children. If anything, we're trying to protect these kids and doing the best that we know how. And we are not abusing them. Stay out of our business. Stay over here. Stay in your lane. And so that kind of, for the most part... So that's part of the cap of the first half of this film. The other cap of this thing is that there, um, 
they actually get connected with Paul Cohen after a pushy incident that I won't describe. You'll have to watch it yourself. But it was uh, Richard being being Richard and, you know, being a salesman in a lot of ways um, and and being very persistent. He, in, in a sense, gives he steals an opportunity for Venus and Serena to show how good they are. More so Venus. And Paul is intrigued and excited at the potential and begins to work with her for free. Unfortunately, he can't work with both uh, Serena and Venus for free. So he only does Venus and Serena has to practice on her own when she can. And so we leave the, the second half with them having been under the tutelage of Paul Cohen and starting the junior circuit because they learn that playing on the junior circuit is how you will be able to turn pro and Venus experiencing great success. I don't even think she loses her first opportunity. She's attracting crowds at those junior junior tournaments. And then while she's attracting crowds at the junior tournaments and she's winning her trophies, even against kids who've had the serious practice time and all the right equipment and all the best clothes She's still beating them. We see her beginning to hone her skills. And then we see that Serena's got a fight and hunger in her too. And all while Venus is, you know, climbing up the ladder, we see that uh, uh, Venus or Serena enters the tournament too. One of the, one of the juniors tournaments too. And, um, is doing well. Like she doesn't, I don't think she like wows everybody, but like she's definitely, no, she doesn't win, but she does wow everybody. Like she's clearly one to watch. Um, and Richard, and, and there's a particular scene where Richard, where Richard is, um, Richard finds out that Serena, that Serena is playing and he's like, she's not supposed to be playing. So he goes to watch her. And then Brandy comes up alongside her and then, you know, she she plays and she wins the tournament. And then um, she's found out, essentially. Richard sees her and she sees, and Serena sees Richard. And she she thinks she's in trouble. And he's like, no, nah, well, I didn't know anything about this, but you might as well go on and finish because you're doing a good job. Keep it up. Um, and then what we know see in this moment, Richard asks Brandy, is like, did you know anything about this? And then she acts like, no, I had no idea, knowing full well that she was the one that signed Serena up because... You know, while Venus is getting a lot of attention and certainly getting the private practice time with Paul Cohen, what we know is that, and what Brandy knows, is that Serena is equally as hungry. And again, I said before, um, Brandy is the Brandy is the tennis star, um, or at least Brandy is the one that has the tennis background. She's she was the athlete, um, and so she's able to coach. She's able to coach Serena, too. And the way that she's guaranteeing that Serena doesn't feel left out is to give her opportunities like uh, applying for or enrolling in the juniors tournament and playing, too. And again, what we know is that they're three years apart anyway. So it's not like they're in a completely different class by themselves. It's just Venus is a little bit older and has got a little bit more experience. But Serena is hungry, too. So anyway... So we end the first half with Richard, again, taking a look at the parents and the kids and the dynamics when they lose, 
despite having all the resources in the world, um, Richard decides that he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to burn Venus out. He's like, no, I think I don't want to put her in the junior tournaments anymore. Even though Paul Cohen swears up and down that this is the way that you get experience. This is the way that all the greats end up turning pro and doing really great things is playing, getting discovered in the junior tournaments. But Paul is like, no, I can't, I can't get this done. I can't do this. Um, I don't want to burn my girls out. And so he makes a controversial decision to pull Venus out of the junior tournaments. And actually, not only does he pull the girls out of the, the junior tournaments, but he parts ways. He parts ways completely with um, Paul Cohen. And this was right at the cusp of them getting um, about to get a major deal. He pulls he pulls him out. And he's like, no, I want better. And then he starts talking about a coach in Florida that had apparently coached a very top player in the in the league um, in the tennis world who had essentially grown her up and molded her from excuse me a novice to somebody great and so that's who Richard has his sights on now so he he initially went with Paul Cohen because he gave him a shot but then also Paul Cohen was coaching John McEnroe and other really great players and so this is you know he thought it was a good match but he saw that ultimately some of the the way that Paul was pushing the girls was not the way that he ultimately wanted for her for for them he don't he didn't want them to get pulled, burned out and so he decides yeah we're going to we're going to go in a different direction so that's how the fir- the first half ends with them going in a different direction and seeking out um Macy whose name I've just forgotten Macy John Berthall's uh, Rick Macy um out of Florida and so yeah, basically that's that's how we end the first half. We end the second half. We begin the second half with them going to Florida and and um with uh Rick Macy and essentially Richard negotiating one heck of a contract that the family not only are the girls going to Florida to be trained by Rick Macy, but that Rick Macy is going to rent them a caravan or a camper van to be able to drive across cross country as a family to Florida and then also buy them a house when they're out there so that she can the girls can train more so Venus can train um, while they're there. And the way Rick responds is exactly how uh Richard wanted him to respond. And so they, with that, they set out to Florida and I don't know where in Florida they are, but they're somewhere in Florida where, they, where Rick Macy is and they, they embark on this new journey. And in this new journey, now that Richard has more resources that he needs, the family's not, you know, their family, the girls are in school. They have more resources. Richard does not have to work the night job anymore. Uh, Brandy does not have to work as a caregiver anymore or as a nurse anymore. They can focus on supporting their family. They have a bigger house, more room to breathe. They're moved away from gun violence. Um, and they're, you know, they're in a better space in life. Now they can truly give their whole family opportunity to just be kids and to grow into the people that they want that you know that can reach their potential including the girls who are who are working under Rick Macy 
Um, in this space, we see this other shift. So two things. We learn that um, Tundi stays behind because she's going to college, or at least that's what the sense you get is that she's graduated and she's her life is in L.A. because she's going to college in L.A. and she's got to finish her studies. Um, and so she Tundi, Tundi stays, but everybody else comes uh, to Florida. And we see that Richard, specifically Richard, is going out of his way that even with the practices, going out of his way to make sure the girls feel like teenagers, regular teenagers. Um, there's a point where Richard is debating on whether, because he has stopped, he has stopped. Um, the girls are no longer play, competing in the juniors tournaments anymore. Um, and again, this, this is a special emphasis on Venus. But they're practicing every day with Rick Macy. And there's a point where Rick Macy is like about to convince at the behest of Venus, convince he's working to convince uh, Richard to let Venus play in this particular tournament that will really get her exposure and that they he thinks and Venus thinks that she's ready for. And Richard is like, okay, well, let me think on it. And Richard, again, driven by the fact that he wants his kids to be children as long as possible and doesn't want them to be burned out quicker than possible, he sees a news story of the same young woman who Macy had trained up and is really awesome, saw a news story of her being strung out in some hotel and uh, there's like a, something like a cry for help to get her some help and support. And even though he was super excited to, he was on the cusp of allowing Venus to play in this tournament, he comes back to Rick Macy and is like, no, thank you. I won't be. And in fact, not a, matter of fact, we're not even going to, he does actually two things. The very next day, the, the girls are supposed to, uh, the girls are supposed to uh, go to practice with Rick. Instead of showing up to practice, they go to Disney World. And when they come back to Disney World, Rick is in their front, they're in their driveway saying, hey, what's going on? The girls were supposed to be at practice. You can't keep pulling them out of practice like that. And he's like, well, no, we just, we needed to have time as a family. But here's the other thing. Um, Venus won't be playing in the tournament. And there's this exchange where he's like, Rick is like, you can't keep doing this. You cannot keep doing this. It feels like you're scared. And if Rick is confronting Richard, he's like, it feels like you're scared of these girls you're scared that they might not be successful. And in the process, you're jerking them around and you're breaking their hearts. And at this point, Venus is crushed and Brandy is frustrated too. Rick basically leaves because obviously he recognizes that he's the, the immense talent that both Venus and Serena are and leaves Richard and Brandy to have a discussion and, you know, they they engage in their discussion while Serena or while Venus goes off whoever knows where she goes off but she she just takes off because she's so frustrated that her dad decided that she can't play in the tournament that she really wanted to play in and this is where a heart a really deep moment comes up and I told you the the thing about like we really don't talk about why they're a blended family or even that they're a blended family we just see them as one big family but here's where in, in this, this incident really is the catalyst for a larger conversation 
about why Richard does what he does. And in this conversation, and, and again, you really need to watch it to really get the context, but Brandy brings up the fact that they're a team, but that Richard ends up making a lot of decisions without consulting his teammate, which is her. And he has a real problem with hard, difficult situations. And his instinct is just to run away from difficult situations. And her main point, her main example in the runaway and in proving that he runs away from difficult situations is when things got, he ran away from his family. He ran away from his first family with Richard III and, and Ronner um, popping up. And we're not clear if Brandy always knew about them, but what we do know is that Brandy has engaged in a relationship or at least uh, in communication with Richard III because she recognizes that she sees him as family. And again, what we know is that Brandy came in with kids of her own, right? So she understands it it, in in her mind. It's like, so you running, you not acknowledging Richard and Ronner is exactly like, me not acknowledging Tundi, Isha, um, and her other child whose name I've forgotten. It's like this, in, in her mind, in this moment, I see her having the conversation and seeing it the same way, you know, seeing, seeing it's as if she were denying her children, him denying Ronner and Richard the third. And so they have a really hard conversation, but at the end of it, Richard sees the light, as it were, and allows Venus to compete in a championship, her very first championship after that long hiatus. And I won't go into the detail about how it ended, what happened. It's recorded in history what happened in her very first big tournament after that long hiatus. But the way the film goes, it reminds me that they weren't always winning everything. But they were always great. Um, And even the outcome of that tournament does not go as you thought it would go. Um, I actually don't even remember that tournament. I don't even think they were on my radar when this, that Venus's first tournament happened. Um, But she was on my radar well after that because I remember her white beads. Um, Yeah, that's my first memory of the Williams sisters, them playing with those those beads in their hair. And anyway, this film really ends with the beginning, the beginning of their career, the beginning of their pro career. Um, Yeah, and there's a whole lot of nuance that I've missed. I actually spent a whole lot of time on the first half, more time on the first half than I did on the second. There are, there is a point at which after that, that, that heart to heart meeting that uh, Richard and Brandy have, Richard relaxes his control a little bit and allows Venus to begin making decisions for herself. And there's one particular scene where Nike is coming to her with a billion dollar offer or a million dollar offer, some sort of ridiculous number. And Venus turns it down. And the parents unflinchingly say, well, that's it. That's what my baby say. That's what it is. And of course, Rick Macy's, Rick Macy's in the room and he's like, what? I can't believe this. And then they come again. They come back again and he, they offer her even more money. And she still says, no. It's wild. It's so wild. It's wild. 
But but that just shows I th- I love that. I love that moment because it's showing parents who are giving their child the autonomy, the freedom to really make decisions for her career. They they had done all that they could do. Excuse me to set her up for success. Now she's got to be the one to do it. And I think again, so remember when I said Serena got in that car and then she learned about the price and got swiftly out of that thing. I think them having the ability to make decisions for themselves, even when they were early teenagers, is what allows them to make great decisions as adults now. And that is because of Richard and Brandy building them up to make good decisions as adults starting them young, making good decisions. And again, what kid do you know? What 14 do you know would turn down a $2 billion, a $2 million contract from a shoe company? What, or anybody, what, what parents, like if you being a parent, let's just assume that you're a parent. If you're not, wouldn't you honestly be tempted? And would you want to try to override your child and say, no, 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 we're going to take that deal. And so what we know is she turned down those deals and even, and year later got even a bigger deal by somebody else because she followed her instinct. She trusted her gut and them instilling not only self-confidence, but also the ability to trust their gut is the biggest thing that both of those parents taught those, those girls and probably all of their girls. I'm sure believe in yourself, trust your own gut. You got it. You smart enough. We raised you well enough so you can make good decisions. And even if that's not necessarily a decision that we would make, we trust you. We stand behind you. And standing behind her in that moment showed, in my opinion, that was the best parenting move ever because like letting your kids know that you trust them to make decisions, especially big decisions like that. You can't hardly go wrong with that. That was that was awesome there. So there's a lot in this film. There's a lot about parenting. There's a lot about sacrifice. There's a lot about... There's a whole discussion you could have about blended families, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Whole discussion you can have about blended families and the nuance of, you know, not getting it right before and then trying to right those wrongs later in families. There's a whole lot there. I understand why they focused on what they did focus on because, you know, again, I say there's probably not great stories behind both of those blended families, but the unit that they made where Venus and Serena grew up in was the focus. And I understand why it was the focus. Um, anyway, so I think I've talked enough and I've kind of talked all over the place. Um, I do recommend that you watch this. If you can't watch it because you don't have HBO Max, it's in the theaters. It's in the theater near you. Go tonight. Go sometime soon and really watch this film. I believe it'll be even better experience on the big screen. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate you. Um, if you are celebrating, happy Turkey Day. Really do appreciate you. Really do also want to take a time out to celebrate all the indigenous folks um, who are winning in big ways and small ways, even in today. Uh, Twitter has really opened my eyes to a whole uh, indigenous community in the, in the Americas that I hadn't been connected to and all of the different... I'm learning a lot in terms of, number one, some people are awful online. 
and got the nerve to at the same time say I'm it's, that's that white American culture saying oh I'm part I'm part Native I'm a quarter Native American and then talking about Native Americans like baby just because that's a part of your bloodline if you're not a part of the culture baby shut up but anyway um yeah so just take this time to go on TikTok and follow like somebody like Modern Warrior or somebody else who is just out here as putting a spotlight on indigenous um, on the indigenous community and some of the issues that are plaguing the ind- indigenous community right now and some of the things that you can support, uh, causes you can support that ultimately support the indigenous community in the Americas or uh, wherever you are. Um, but specifically in the Americas, because this is, you know, Turkey Day here. Um, and yeah, um, there's also a show on Netflix whose name I've forgotten, but it's a cooking show. And it's all about native or uh, indigenous American, uh, indigenous Americans reclaiming their culture through their food. And uh, listen, I'm all about that. I'm all about that. I love it. I love it. I love it. So um, I cannot remember the name of it, but I'm going to look it up and hopefully I'll put it in the show notes. So watch that because that just deserves your attention too. All right. Take care of yourself. Hope you find time. If this is not Turkey Day for you, I hope you find time to be with family and have fun and and just be able to relax as we're moving toward the end of the year. All right. And if you feel so kind, please rate and review this show favorably, leaving a message, positive uh, review of it would be great. Four stars or more. I appreciate you. Um, And if you leave me a voicemail, um, I'll listen to it and respond to it. And, And if you do write a review, a positive review, I will read it in the next episode. All right. So thank you so much for your time. And once again, you sharing this episode with anybody or any episode that you find interesting with anybody in your friend group or just sharing it at all is how you can help me continue to do this hobby that I've been doing for over four years now. So thank you. Have a great day. Until next time.